2 Timothy 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful he cannot deny himself remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words which does no good but only ruins the hearers do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth but avoid irreverent babble for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene, among whom are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them with repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. End of reading. All right, we're in 2 Timothy 2, picking up in chapter 2. And in chapter 1, just a quick recap, Paul is telling Timothy, his beloved child in the faith, he says, uh, you know, that Timothy, he had 
a grandmother and a mother. Here it is in verse 5 of chapter 1. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, now. And now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit of fear, not of spirit of fear, excuse me, but of power and love and self-control. All right. So there's uh, what Paul is saying to Timothy, fan into flame this gift. Fan into flame the, the, the teaching, the investment that your grandmother and your mother made in you of training you up in the way of, of righteousness, of fearing the Lord. Uh, so he says here in verse one of chapter two, you then my child be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So, um, you know, Paul has uh, perhaps a, a much closer relationship to Timothy than he does to these other faithful men. But it's not like Timothy has special has special directions or directions that are really unique or you know, maybe even in some way superior to to other faithful men. All the people in positions like Timothy, all the faithful men in those positions um, should also be be strengthened, and according to what Paul has has taught, which is you know the true gospel, they should be strengthened and be entrusted with that same message and be able to teach others also. So it's not just for Timothy, although we do have a good personal intimate example of this, but we can apply it to to you know faithful men of the Christian faith that we are entrusted this message and we should be able to teach others also, especially for those of us who have been invested in so much where God has given us so much teaching and preparation and equipped us so well. Um, perhaps, perhaps you also were raised in a, in a Christian home where your grandmother, your mother, your, your dad, your granddad, all these people, your family invested in you and trained you in the right way. And now you're a grown man and now it's it's your time. You've been entrusted with that message and you ought to be strengthened by that, the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and teach others also about it. So that vision is is uh, generally applicable to to all of us Christians as we grow in the faith. Uh so he continues here. He gives this example of a soldier and an athlete and a farmer. So he says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. His aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So uh, in other words, uh, a Christian needs to be needs to be committed to the, the real priority, the one who enlisted us. And notice the, the military language here. Uh, this is. This is serious business. This is this is hard work. This is battle. We are soldiers of Christ Jesus. Uh, here's the athlete one. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So if we're running in this race that God has put us on, we should run according to the rules that 
God has provided us, the parameters that he's given us. We should run in an honorable way, not to cheat our way through this uh, or cut corners or slack off. Here's the hardworking farmer. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So he's saying here, uh, hardworking is the is the you know the the thing that really specifies what kind of farmer we're talking about here, what kind of worker we're talking about here. It's the hard worker who ought to have the first share of the crops. So similar to the athlete one, the athlete who's doing things the right way, or the soldier. The, the soldier who's pursuing the mission and not getting distracted with other things. And here the farmer, it's the hardworking farmer that will have the first share of the crops. So we can use each of those, each of those uh, analogies or metaphors. I, I don't know what the correct term is here. <laughs> uh, soldier, athlete, farmer, and apply those to our Christian life because there's, there's applicable aspects or qualities about each of those that I think are really helpful for us. We should share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. This verse seven, uh, you know, it's connected to what Paul is saying here, but I, I actually really like this verse because it, it, it implies and not just implies it explicates certain things about God. Check this out. Verse seven, think over what I say for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So Christianity is a thinking religion. It's one of deep thought. Verse seven, think over what I say. Okay. So there's no turning off our brain and just, and just, you know, we're, we're just doing brain dead autopilot stuff. Think over what I say. And then here, here's the other thing that it says explicitly, the Lord will give you understanding in everything. God wants us to think. God wants us to use the human faculties and capacities that he has blessed us with, albeit limited, albeit uh, fallible, but he wants us to use them. Think over what I say. And then here's the other part. The Lord will give you understanding in everything. He promises to, to work with us, to work in those human faculties and capacities that I, the, you know, that I mentioned before. The Lord will give you understanding and everything. So that's that's really cool. Paul, Paul is even saying here to Timothy, maybe you don't get it all at first. Maybe you don't realize the full weight or the full breadth or depth of what I'm saying. But think over it. Keep thinking about it. Meditate on it. God will give you understanding in everything. So there's, there's a cool uh, synergy between... Uh, God and and the Christian and his people working through these things mentally and and spiritually. I really like that verse. Okay, moving on. It says here, verse eight: Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. So the consistency of Paul's gospel with all of Scripture, and the the consistency of Jesus is you know, the person of Jesus with, with history, risen from the dead, offspring of David. Well, who cares if he's the offspring of David? Like, what's the big deal there? Um, well, there are there are promises attached to to David. There's royalty attached to him. There's 
there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, lore, if you will, attached to that risen from the dead. That's a that's a historical claim about Jesus. So um, Paul is and, and, and he says, as preached in my gospel, meaning, you know, this is what I've been saying all along. I'm not changing it. It doesn't need updating. And it's and it's the same. It's the same message everywhere. Um, and that's that's a gospel. It's consistent. It's true. It's historic. It's uh, it's universal. And uh, he says here, the gospel for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Wow. Um, there's a really good song by the Donut Man, Rob Evans, where it's, uh, you know, the chorus says the message of Jesus will go out. And the first line of the song is, for I am in chains for the gospel. The gospel is not in chains. That is just such a such a great line, you know, just right out of here, right out of scripture. And it has to do with this with this suffering thing. In verse three, he says, share in suffering as a good soldier. You know, he talks about an athlete. Athletes have to work hard. It's it's takes a physical toll, even. It's the hard working farmer. It's hard work. It's suffering. It's toil. It's struggle. Um, you're even facing opposition. And in verse 10, Paul says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So he's saying, endure this suffering, share in this suffering, be, be a criminal, um, be, be a criminal. I mean, you don't have to like actually be a criminal, but you know, you know, in a way of speaking, Paul is saying, if it if it comes down to that, yeah, suffer even to the point of you are you are cast out from society because the word of God is not bound. And we do all of this, we endure everything for the sake of the elect, God's God's true people. We're not doing it to please the world. We're not doing it to just please ran, random people for no reason. We endure everything for the sake of God's people. That's why we go through all this stuff. That's why we work hard. That's why we're, we're soldiers. We're athletes. We're hardworking farmers. We're prisoners. We're criminals for, for the gospel, for the sake of the elect. Um, and so he says in verse 14, remind them, but I don't know if he's talking about the church there or those faithful men that are mentioned in, uh, verse two, where he says, "Entrust to faithful men." I don't know if he's talking about them, but I, I mean, I guess he's just talking about everyone. Remind, <laughs> remind them of these things and charge them before God, not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Now, um, uh, I guess you could say a pet peeve of mine is when you get in some kind of deeper discussion. And there's a confusion of terms or there's an issue that comes down to really how people define words. And you try to you try to to get really precise in your terminology. And then someone tends to just throw out that's just semantics. And, you know, there are people who they do this thing called splitting hairs where it's just like they they zoom in way too far and they make they make differences out of things that are really you know, not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of the argument. 
And uh, that's, you know, it's it's fine to point that out when people are zooming in way too far or asking for way too much precision or it, it literally is you have to do word for word what they what they want you to to say or how they define it to move forward um yeah so that's that's not what i'm talking about um i'm talking about when people say that's semantics when you're actually just trying to define things because definitions are helpful so when i read when i read a verse like this uh, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Um, you know, I don't know what the controversy exactly was. We know that in First Timothy, there are these things of like genealogies and stuff that people were um, obsessing over in uh, in an unhealthy way, which do in a way that does no good. Uh, it says also here in verse 23, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. So I would say that's probably related to whatever this quarrel about words is. It's It literally says, you know that they breed quarrels. So I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know exactly what it means. I don't, I don't think Paul is saying we literally shouldn't care about words. <laughs> uh, but he's talking about uh, a foolish or ignorant controversy over, over uh, silly stuff. Like, you know, some denominations use a specific word for a thing and then another uses a, another. Uh, and even though they both mean the same thing and there's really not much else to it, some people are like, oh, well, that's this denomination. So you can't say that word. And then there are other people saying vice versa. We just have to ask the question, uh, does this does this dispute over words or does this controversy actually do good? Because there are good kinds of controversies, good kinds of divisions that Jesus brought about, that Paul brought about, that the apostles brought about, that did a lot of good. And then there are other kinds of controversies that do no good. So that's something that we have to ask ourselves uh, uh, and, and apply through wisdom. But we should avoid youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then last thing I'm going to say here is where it says in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use set apart as wholly useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. And that the, I mean, that should be all of our desire. If anyone cleanses, and this is this is a promise too. It's a, it's spoken in a way that it's just a declaration. If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master, useful to God. Will be useful to God. Will be set apart by Him for for His use, and uh, we should be ready for every good work. So let's have this mentality. We're soldiers, we're athletes, we're farmers, we're we're criminals, <laughs> we're 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 prisoners, we're enduring everything for the for the sake of the elect, and we're we're cleansing ourselves from what is dishonorable so that we may be used for honorable use in, in God's house. We may be useful to the master, and that we will be ready for every good work.
So grow with the growth that's from God.